Aren't you thankful this morning? God is so good. One day we're going to have a new body. Amen. We're going to have a new body. On that resurrection morning, when all the dead in Christ shall rise, we're going to have a new body. Amen. Praise the Lord. Going to have a new life, new body. Um, I just been in prayer and seeking God the last two days and um, last several days. And um, I just, uh, something changed in my life. Something, uh, the, the script has flipped. And um, it was right there. Thank you. Thank you, son. But the script has flipped and um, in my life, and I'm, I'm just so, so thankful. And what God has done in me and what he's doing in you and what he does in me is going to be what will be transferred over to you. And uh, so this morning, I can't tell you um, how the devil has just... But you know what? He never told me I wasn't saved till I was. And he always told me I was saved when I wasn't. He's a liar. Amen. He's a liar. But our God is a God of truth. The spirit of truth. He is the truth this morning. And um, I can tell you that there's no freedom like being free and knowing that, you know what? There ain't no secret Ain't nothing held back. No hypocrisy there. Amen. Just, just, just Christ. Amen. I'm just so thankful today for Him. And uh, I want to read to you this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. And this is what the Word of God says. Would you stand with me for the Word of God this morning? I want us to make a habit of disciplining ourselves to stand for the Word of God. And um, we, we're holding a holy word in front of us. Amen. God's living word in front of us. But in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19, the scripture says this, And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added unto all of our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you His people. Isn't that awesome scripture? It has pleased the Lord to make you His people. Amen. Moreover, as for me, he said, and this is the great golden text today, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. I want you just to remember this scripture this morning or these passages, but more than anything, when Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the uh, opportunity to come and to begin to break open the bread of life and to preach the word this morning. And Lord, this is a message to the church. This is a message to the people of God, the saints of God. Lord, to receive the word and to know, God, that we are to be prayer warriors, Lord. It is our responsibility. It is our call. It is our mandate from God to be prayer warriors. And Lord, today I pray that you will begin to convey to this congregation and speak to them this wonderful word of life and of challenge and of exhort, Lord, and of command. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and honor. I pray that you anoint these lips of clay. Surface in me, Lord, I pray every word, every truth 
Everything that you would have me to say today that will benefit this congregation in God will give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we thank you and ask you, amen and amen. God bless you as you're seated this morning. You know, we come through this great week. We enjoyed the presence of God. And uh, we come to this place like at the end of the meetings. And, you know, the Lord does such a great work in us. And you have to step back and say, God, where do we go from here? What is the next step in my life? What is the next phase? Or what do you require of me? What do you want from me? What was all of this for? I can tell you, God did not revive you and I so that we can have a Holy Ghost goosebump or get a feeling, but He revived us so that we could do something with that revival. He revived us in our heart. He stirred the waters of our spirit and He stirred the waters of our soul so we can do something with, with that stirring. And so, you know, the, the disciples were in the upper room and they came down from that upper room after 10 days of praying and seeking the face of God in one mind, one accord, and they were there in one place, and the Bible says that the Spirit of God began to fall on the day of Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost in that room, but they didn't stay up there and shake and shimmy and, and, and just speak in tongues to one another, but they came down out of that upper room, and they began to preach the gospel. Peter began to preach. He began to minister that day and he came down and said you are the ones that crucified Christ you're the ones and to you is this message sent amen to you is this gospel preached and he began to preach to them and minister to them and someone said years ago well we know that thousands 5,000 were added 3,000 5,000 thousands were added to uh, the church that day many believers came at that moment well, somebody said years ago I heard it in a message or I read it in a book and they said you know Peter and the disciples they labored in prayer for 10 days and they prayed and sought God came down and preached according to uh, Acts chapter 2 a three minute message and thousands were added to the kingdom that day but they also said today we preach for hours we pray for minutes and nobody's saved amen Amen. We've got to flip the script there and we've got to understand God is calling His church to a place of prayer. He's calling us to pray. Are you hearing what your pastor's saying today? God didn't just do a work in us and stir us so that we can say, oh, I feel God. I want you to know God's not into just sensationalism and just emotion in you. He's trying to exercise you to godliness and obedience and faithfulness in prayer I'm preaching this thought the call to pray let me give you a brief foundation and then we'll get into this Israel had asked for a king so that they could be like other nations that flew in the face of an almighty thrice holy God an almighty God that carried them through the wilderness fed them, clothed them brought water, fought their battles for them, delivered them. They saw Pharaoh's army swallowed up in the Red Sea and they walked over on dry ground. But it flew in the face of God that called them to be different and separate and His peculiar treasure and covenant people for them to ask for a king. I want you to know Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I know that eventually God did give them a godly king in David. And He is in type like Christ, the greatest king of all. But God gave them a king and Samuel in verse 18 prays and God through a display of a thunderstorm, a very fearful and dynamic thunderstorm brought a fear upon Israel. And the Bible says that they began to fear, fear God and Samuel. 
And they asked for prayer that they would die not. I'm going to tell you, I grew up in Missouri, and I was in some pretty bad thunderstorms. I saw thunder and lightning that just touched down right there in our yard. I remember one year the wind was blowing so bad that it picked up a pool and it flew. I know we were probably heading for a, a tornado, but thank God, you know, it went the other way. But I, I assure you that day they saw a storm of thunder and lightning and of biblical proportion that caused them to have a fear of God. And they begin to cry out to Samuel and say, please pray for us, pray for us that we die not. And Samuel gives them a very clear word of exhort in verses 20 through 22. He said unto them, fear not, you have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all of your heart. That is something that God wants us to do. Fear Him, but fear Him with a godly fear, not fear, amen, to the degree that we walk around and we feel like, you know, God is standing in heaven with a gavel in His hand. It's not a time for judgment. I can tell you it's a time right now, dispensation of grace. There is coming judgment. We're standing at the threshold of it, but thank God we're still seeing God's grace. His outpouring this week is a proof that God is not done with His church yet, but He's still coming and pouring out His Spirit and giving us times of refreshing. But He begins to tell them, Serve the Lord with all your heart. Turn ye not aside, for then should you go after vain things. Because I can tell you, if we move away from God, we will turn to vanity. We will turn to vanity. Hallelujah. But He said, Unto vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great namesake. Thank God. Amen. There's a lot of times that you are are where you are and have been covered and protected like you are because of the Lord's namesake. Amen. There have been times He forgave me. I can tell you, every one of us, when we deserve to be thrown into hell, but for His namesake, that He is a merciful God, that He would be proven to be a God of great and stellar character, of love and of mercy and forgiveness and long-suffering for His namesake. Amen. Did he do this and he will not forsake you is what he said because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. I'm so grateful that I'm his people and that he wants to continue to make me his people and continue to keep me to be his people. Praise the Lord. Now because it's God's desire to make you his people to secure your fervent desire our fervent desire for God. Samuel then makes a very powerful statement. And he says all of these things about them. But then he says, I'm part of the equation of you becoming who you're supposed to become. Amen. I'm part of that equation. He says, moreover, as for me in this equation... God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. <laughs> but I will teach you the good and the right way. God forbid I not pray for you. He made one of the most powerful statements. And it's an absolute in, uh, indictment or a mandate, I should say, to the church that it would be a sin against the Lord if we didn't pray for our body, if we didn't pray like we're supposed to pray for people in the body or our family or the will of God to come to pass. Did not Jesus Himself say in the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, that's not just you on your own, but it includes everybody. Amen. Our Father means He's our Father. And we're to pray for one another. And we're to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must pray for God's will to come to pass, that the world would 
see the power of the kingdom of God, the power of an almighty God, and uh, he gives us that instruction in the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to say this to you today. This one verse from Samuel is a mandate from God to every believer. It is not a suggestion. It is a command to us, a mandate to us. It's an authoritative command, a formal order, a direct requirement for you to do something is what a mandate is. That's what a mandate. We know from coming through the pandemic with COVID how that they've tried to enforce a lot of mandates and of course masks and even tried with vaccinations and I'm not here to talk about that. That's so 2021. I'm just here to simply say that there are mandates that we don't want enforced upon us. But here from the very words of the great prophet, the great judge, the great priest, Samuel, he says, it would be a sin if I did not pray for you. It would be a sin for me not to pray for your spiritual growth, for your continued faithfulness and your maturity. That's our call. Amen. I can tell you all are excited about that. You know why? Because prayer is a labor. Prayer is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's a labor. I don't want to say that it's, it is work. It is labor. It takes time and energy and thought and, 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 and focus in prayer to pray and believe God for somebody and to pray for them. It means that you're selfless, that you pray for other people and not yourself. I was reading in a book, and one of the things that I really didn't even stop to consider, the one prayer that Moses prayed for himself, which was to come into the promised land, God didn't even answer him. But how many times he prayed for Israel? For God to have mercy for God to begin to quench the judgment that he was going to pour out. In fact, to the degree that he said, Lord, if you don't forgive their iniquity, I'm asking you to blot my name out of the book. That's what he said. God is calling us, of course. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying because I'll say things and people will take one thing that I said and they will miss the whole message. I'm not saying you don't pray for yourself and God isn't going to answer your prayer. What I'm saying is that God wants us to remember that our prayers must be focused and we must have the heart of God. We must see through the eyes of Christ Jesus like He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. You see those fields are white and ripe. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Ask God to give you that heart for people, something outside of yourself, something that requires you to be selfless, something that requires for you to sacrifice, something that requires labor and effort and service on your part. Because we a lot of times only pray for our specific needs. As Pastor Duke used to say, my four and no more. Now, Samuel's conviction was it would be a sin for me not to pray. Faithful prayer or prayerlessness, either or, says everything about us. Your prayer life says everything about you. It reveals if we really believe in our God like we say we do. Did, he, did Jesus not say... And, Luke 18, that there was a woman that came before an unjust judge. And she said, avenge me of mine adversary. He never paid her any mind. Didn't regard God or man. But she kept coming. And she kept coming. And she kept coming. And she kept coming. And finally, that unjust judge said, well, because she wearies me. She's about to wear me out. Amen. She's about to wear me out. And he finally gave her what she asked for in her petition. How much more shall God give unto you and I? 
Amen. And he said in that scripture in Luke 18, he said, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find that kind of faith? Will there be that kind of faith in his people that they will pray and pray and pray and pray that God would answer and not give up? We must believe him. We cannot stop praying. We cannot stop believing. We must continue to pray because people's lives are at stake. I remember working for a man, one, working, and I had a co-worker one time, and he was a Christian. He went to a Spanish church, and I was talking to him as I was pastoring here in my early days. And, you know, I'm always behind the pulpit with a guitar strapped to me, usually. And during those worship services, the Spirit of God would move so powerfully. And I told him there was a man in the service. And I said he just stood there and wept and cried. But he didn't budge. He goes, Pastor, that's when you got to come down and begin to lay those hands upon him and pray that God break that thing. Break that stronghold that's holding on to him. I understood that. I was young and immature at that time. But I know this much. Prayer changes things. Prayer, the anointed prayer, breaks the yoke. Amen. Prayer changes changes people and I've watched as God has done that he's called us to be people that pray we care enough about people that we pray it reveals everything about us whether we pray or we don't it it reveals whether we really believe in the God that we say we believe it reveals if we really believe he can change things or circumstances or people Prayer is transitory or imparting. You know, I've been drawn to prayer and God revealed somebody is praying for you to have a desire to pray right now. There have been times I didn't want to pray. There were times I felt cold and I was going through a valley or I was going through a wilderness. But there was somebody that had a strength in prayer that was praying for Pastor Jonathan, that was praying, God, deal with his heart. God, minister to him. Maybe they didn't even know or sense that I was going through something but God laid them upon my laid me upon their heart and they begin to pray for me there have been times God has laid you upon my heart I didn't know anything was going on but as your pastor I begin to pray there have been times I've prayed God touch that person's heart today their heart is broken over something God minister to them today because I see them going down a road into vain things they're going down a path that the devil's trying to pull them out. But God, I'm praying, pull them back in. Amen. By prayer, I'm believing you to pull them back in and them not be lost for eternity. Prayer is transitory. Prayer is an imparting of what God has done in you through prayer to somebody else. If there's no distance in prayer, then we've got to know I can pray and it can reach that person. When I was in Nigeria, Pastor Lee, he called me up afterwards and he said, how was your trip? I said, it was awesome. I got testimony after testimony. He said, brother, I'm going to tell you something right now. He said, I had an awesome time praying for you while you were gone. I said, praise God, somebody was praying for me. I know there was a lot of people praying for me, but I thank God that people were praying. Amen. Amen. And he said, I had an awesome time. I enjoyed the time I had praying for you. Amen. Because he, I can tell you, God put him in connection with me where I was at, and he placed upon him the very things that were upon my heart or what I was going into. God put that in his mind. I know that the Spirit of God because I've been there the Lord will bring something up in my spirit about somebody's situation just pray this way Jonathan I know that's the way Pastor Lee was praying one day I was here on a Tuesday and I began to cry out to God for him for sometimes kneeling behind that piano and God began to give me a vision it wasn't, uh, you know, I can't explain it to you. But I just sent him a text message, the, vo the voice message recording, not a voice, not a phone call, but a, on my text. I began to record that. And within three minutes, he called me. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, 
He said, everything you said was spot on. I said, that's God, brother. I didn't know the way you were feeling or what was going on. The things I said to him just between me and him, but I began to share those things with him. And he said, that is exactly exactly the way that I have prayed. That is exactly what I've expressed to God. Exactly. Every point, every detail, exactly. I said, well, you know what? You prayed for me when I was going through some of my lowest moments and God laid you on my heart because I can tell you everybody goes through things and we need somebody that will lift us up and pray for us in those times. Amen. And God allows us to know that and and allows us to feel those prayers and go through those times to realize somebody's praying for us so that whenever we're strong and we're, you know, mature and we're strong and we've developed a prayer life, we will return that to them. Freely you have received, freely give. Consider the Bible examples. Melchizedek prayed for Abraham. Abraham prayed for Abimelech, Ishmael, Sodom, and Lot. Amen. Job prayed for his comforters. If he hadn't prayed for them, it wouldn't have been a good thing. But God used him to pray for his comforters. And it's hard to pray for people that ain't been so great with you. But God still calls us to pray for them. Amen. He says, just pray for them. Oh yeah, that's all right. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm watching faces across the building as people are smiling. Because sometimes, I can tell you, people are just rotten. Amen. Is that Mady used to say? They're just icky. But you still got to pray. And you need to pray. And you need to pray. And you need to mean it when you pray. Well, Lord, I hope they learn their lesson. Don't pray like that. Pray, God, I love them. I want to pray, and only you and I know the sincerity of my heart. And I want to pray, Lord, I love them. And I'm asking you to bless them. Bless them. Help them. Minister to them. Touch them. Amen, Lord. Let them come to the place that you want them to become in maturity. Amen. Let them. I pray that they do. Don't pray with an angst in your heart. Pray graciously. Pray graciously. Amen. Amen. My God. But Job began to pray for his comforters. Moses prayed for Israel. Elisha prayed. Elisha. Prayed for Elijah did too, amen. He was an effectual, fervent prayer that availed much. But Elisha prayed for 50 years for Israel's protection. And God protected them for 50 years. Daniel prayed for Cyrus to decree a return to Jerusalem for the Jews. And it encompassed, I want to say, at least two generations. God will use you to pray. And you may start in the beginning of one generation. And the fulfillment won't come to the end of the second generation. But it will come. Amen. It will come. It will come. The disciples said, we want to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word because they understood we've got to pray first and then we can bring forth the Word with power and with authority. You say, well, I'm not a good prayer warrior. I heard of a pastor that said, I'm not. I'm an administrator. I've got a man in my church that does the praying. I thought, Lord. Can you imagine if I said, you know what, I just got a man in here that prays and I don't pray. I'm just here to administrate. You know what I would say? Get a job. You, you, this is not for you. Okay? You want to administrate, go down and administrate for Best Buy or Verizon or wherever else. But God doesn't need administrators. He needs a shepherd. He's called us to be pastors. And it was... It was Pete Spackman that said, the greatest ministry, the greatest blessing that a pastor can ever do and be for his church is to pray for them. 
That's his number one call. There are times that I pray corporately over this church. You know, when we had 25, it was easy to go through every name. But now I have to go row by row. Thank God y'all sit in the same place. Amen. You laugh, but I know just about where everybody sits. And we got some new people, so amen. I hope you, you know, don't lose your spot. You better get here early. But I go from the front of the church and I go all the way back. And I begin to call your name out. And there's sometimes I'll pray and just feel the Spirit of God. Then there come times I'm praying and I'll feel something down in my spirit. God said, stay there a little bit. Stay there a little bit. Stay there because they're going through something. Amen. And the Spirit of God will just well up within me and I'll begin to pray in the Spirit. And he said, that person, they're going through something. Amen. The devil today told them they're worthless. The devil today told them, you know, a lot of things. He's put a lot of things in their mind and this is how they're feeling. Or maybe they failed. So pray for them today that I'll lift them up and I'll strengthen them and that I'll encourage them. Amen. Lift them up. Lift them up in prayer. Isn't God so good? Amen. But he puts that in your heart as that shepherd. He didn't call me to be an administrator. He called me to be a shepherd. And he's called you and I as part of the body to come together and pray for one another. Hallelujah. It's not just one or two people's job and responsibility. It's a body ministry to lift up each other. It's a body ministry to discern in the Spirit what God wants you to pray about concerning your body. Amen. Amen. I remember whenever I was going to go sing in the professional realm, I thought, and, 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 and I went into prayer meeting, and a little old prayer warrior came up to me, and she said, where have you been? And I thought, what is this woman doing? I, I don't, I've been everywhere. I've been a lot of places. What do you mean? She said, no, you know what I mean. But I needed that. And her exact words were to me, Jonathan Skiles, don't you dare, with all God's done in your life, sell your soul to the highest bidder. Oh. God said, I know that you have not asked anybody, you know, and, and you haven't really even asked me, but I, I just wanted you to know my answer. Because for my namesake, I love you. And it's my pleasure to make you who I've called you to be. For my glory, for my pleasure, for my namesake. Because if you go down that road, if I didn't put somebody and put their finger right on you just like Nathan did to David, you'll go down that road thinking, well, you've justified it in your heart and in your mind. But I've come and I've given you a prophetic word. Don't you sell your soul to the highest bidder. Because if you go down that road, there'll never be a new life church. And if there's not a new life church, how many people sitting in here would not be here because the church wasn't here? So it's important for us to pray. It would be a sin for us not to pray because so many lives depend upon our prayer life. Amen. Amen. When Paul was getting ready to go to Asia, and with all sincerity, that was his heart. He, I thought I had my glasses on. Amen. That was his heart habit. It was his heart to go to Asia. But in the middle of the night, in a prayer meeting, in a trance, in a vision, whatever, a man from Macedonia said, come on over. We need you over here. God said, I've got another place for you, Paul. That's why you're not going to Asia. I've not called you there. I've called you somewhere else. Mighty God. People say, I'm not a good prayer warrior. Well, we're called to be kings and priests. 
Kings have authority. Priests minister and labor at the altar. So we, there are times when God has called us to operate in great authority. Amen. And then there are times when we are to come before the very throne of God, the Holy of Holies, and begin to, as the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need to bring forth that petition and to begin to lay it before the Lord. Why would it be a sin not to pray? Because it's unbelief. It's disobedience. It's unfaithfulness. And it's living beneath what Jesus purchased for us at Calvary. He purchased for us an open heaven. Did you hear me? He purchased for us an open heaven. Amen. Access. Access. We have peace with God now, according to Romans 5. And we have access to the throne of God. Amen. And the devil was, is under his feet, which means he's under our feet. He said, the word of God says that Jesus spoiled principalities, made a show of them openly. The devil's under his feet. He put the devil under his feet. And so we are in Christ. We are under his feet. You know, you've got to understand something about the identity with Christ. You know, think about this today. The thief on the cross was crucified with Christ. I want you to get an example here, okay? Let this wrap it, let your mind wrap around this or your spirit embrace this. The thief on the cross, there was one that was not in Christ and one that was in Christ. And Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. So we died with him when he died. We're buried with him when he was buried. And we raised with him in resurrection power. And everything that God did in Christ Jesus through the work of the cross is ours. We're in him. So the devil's under our feet. That's why when you say in the name of Jesus, come out, you devil, he has to come out. The devil's under our feet. And Jesus even, or I'm sorry, Paul wrote in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, I think around the 12th or 13th verse, 13th verse, he said, remember, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, expecting until His enemies be made His footstool. That ought to make you shout today. That ought to make you shout today. I want to read it to you again. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, But this man, Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, one and done, one and done, it was a one and done sacrifice, it says here, he sacrificed for sins one time, forever, sat down, on the right hand of God. In other words, God accepted His sacrifice. And it says from henceforth, that means from this point forward, expecting till all His enemies, or till His enemies be made His footstool. People say, well, Everything's under Christ's feet. Let me tell you something. Yes, but until you and I, with the authority and the faith and the power that God has given us, put those things under our feet, they continue to manifest. Amen. So the things that we deal with and fight against and struggle, did not the Bible say that we're to cast down imaginations? That has to be put under our feet. It's pulled down. See, it tries to usurp that place. And God says, pull it down. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness. Amen. Against strongholds in high places, spiritual wickedness, and all of that. But the devil is under our feet. Amen. Our landlord... Tried to get me for $2 a square foot. But I got on my face and other people were praying. I said, it's in the hands of God. 
And I said, Lord, you gave that to us. You gave that to us. You blessed us with that. You hear me? You blessed us with that. Mighty God. And she's wanting $2 a square foot. And Lord, this is what we can afford. And the next day, out of nowhere, I can tell you God dealt with her all night. I don't think she slept a wink. She called and said, no, I didn't say $2. I thought, you know, look, it, it takes everything for me to maintain a memory here, okay? You don't believe me? Just ask a few people around here. Amen. <laughs> They'll say, don't you remember that? I said, no. Remember what I said to you? You didn't say anything. I said, I don't even remember what you said. How could, I, how could I break a confidence when I don't even remember what the discussion was? So I can tell you I'm a vault. I, I, there's a password on that, and I forgot it. You can't get back in there. You're going to have to resurface that and retell me that if you, you know, but just don't do that, amen. Not that I'm going to break confidence, but I'm just so grateful, amen, for that. But I said, my memory serves me right. You said $2 and we can't afford that. And she said, no, I was thinking like maybe $120 or $130, something like that. And I thought, 70 cents overnight. Just like that. I, I'm telling you, she'd never, she'd never confess it, but I believe she couldn't sleep all night long. I believe the Lord caused her to toss and turn and said, you better give that preacher $1.30 or you're liable to in six months have to give it to him for 80 cents. Amen. Because God loves us. Prayer, praying for the will of God to come to pass is what happened. Amen. So the devil's under our feet because he's under Christ's feet. And he's waiting and expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Our call is to pray and enforce God's authority in this dark world. And it's dark. That's why in our, in our text, Samuel clearly gives a great exhort to obedience to God and not to be vain because that's the life we're living in. That's not our life, but that's the world we're living in is what I meant to say. And we have to pray as we invade and penetrate that world. Amen. And we've already penetrated it. Our street ministry went out. And the places we've all been, they've been going to, not say we all haven't been but one time, but where they've been going to these places now they've been stopped by the authorities and you can't go down there. They went to the next place. You can't come here either. I said, oh, the devil's mad. The devil's mad. You know, the, the, the street ministry team came in and said, man, we've never been, you know, had such response with such vehement rejection. I said, the devil's mad. But we're penetrating. As Brother David said, we're penetrating that hedge. We broke through. Amen. All we got to do now is keep on keeping on. Pray and believe in God. Amen. The greatest aid to victory or maturity and success in our Christian life is the prayers of the saints. Jesus taught us this because he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. When Peter told him, I'll never deny you, he said, Peter, you don't even know what's in you, son. The devil desires to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Amen. That your faith fail not. In Colossians 4, I'm going to close with this. Colossians 4. Verse 12. Paul closes and concludes this letter of Colossians talking about several different people, but one that just jumped out at me was Epaphras. He said Epaphras, and you got to know something about Epaphras. The Bible, I mean the commentary state and history states that Epaphras was the one that actually birthed or started the church in Coloss. He's the one that started that. I, 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 and the Lord 
really surface something from my own life. That which you birth, you nurture in prayer, and you, you plead over in prayer, and you, you, you water in prayer. Amen. A lot of times people don't pray for things because they have not invested in anything to birth it. But when you've birthed it, you will pray for it. That's why you will lay on the floor for a, 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 no de designated amount of time to pray for your kids. And somebody else will just come over and, and just pray a short little prayer and they'll go on their way. Because mama, they didn't birth them. You did. Nobody will pray like a mother or a father will pray. Nobody will pray over a work like the person that birthed it was there in the beginning. Amen. And so Epaphras birthed that church in Coloss. And Paul says in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's a part of that church. Why do I need to pray? Because I'm part of this. I'm one of them. It's not for a prayer group. To pray for the rest of the church. We must pray. I asked somebody to pray for me one time. And it was, it was a, a preacher friend of mine. And he was kind of a, a smart mouth. And, and I didn't really like what he said. But it, it resonated in me uh, to the degree I've never forgot. And I said, I want you to pray for me. And he said, well, I'll pray for you. He said, but I don't usually do things for people that they should do for themselves. And I said, well, brother, I wasn't going to not pray and just expect you to pray. But I will say this. Don't expect somebody to do what you're not willing to do yourself for you. We must be people of prayer. But he said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Paul said, Epaphras is always laboring fervently for you, that you'll stand. You'll stand in that hour whenever the enemy's coming in like a flood. You'll stand when everything around you seems to be falling apart. You'll stand perfect and complete. That you won't deviate from the truth. You won't deviate from the faith that was once delivered unto you. And the Bible says in verse 13 that he bore record of his great zeal, not only for Coloss, but for Laodicea and Hierapolis. There were other cities and other churches, I'm sure, that he was laboring for in prayer. Remember, we are his ministers. We are his people that are to minister for the body of Christ. You're part of New Life Church. You should pray for New Life Church. You should pray for the leaders. You should pray. Pray for the youth. You should pray for the young adults. You should pray for the children's ministry. You should pray for the school. You should pray for the pastor. Pray for the people in the body of Christ in the church. Amen. Lift them up in prayer. Because if you go to chapter 1 verse 7. He said, Paul said, we learned from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who is you, for you a faithful minister of Christ. Why is he a faithful minister of Christ? Well, because of course he is in Christ, but he is a prayer warrior who has embraced, or I shouldn't say embraced, but taken the, the, the command and taken the responsibility, the mandate to pray for the church of Coloss. He's called... And we're called to be servants. And he says that he learned from Epaphras, who's a faithful minister of Christ. He declared unto us your love in the Spirit. And Paul said, because of what we found out about you, we want to strengthen those things that remain. And pray for those things that are thriving. Because the devil wants to kill what's growing. Amen. He said, for this cause we also since the day we heard of it do not cease to pray for you. 
and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. He's saying that you would walk in strength, you would walk in joy, you would walk being long-suffering, you would be moving, you would be growing in knowledge and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God puts people to pray so that you will be in victory. For this cause, what cause? Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have to all saints. Verse 8. Who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Your faith in Christ. Your love for the saints. And your love, he says here, in the Spirit. Paul shares Epaphras' witness of their love in the Spirit. Paul said in Romans 15.30, he speaks of the love of the Spirit that motivates sincere prayer. Now I'm coming to a close here. Don't check out on me. Listen. The reason that we need to pray is that people will stay at that place where their spirit is sensitive and tender and not become hardened. Because we've all seen somebody that was one way at one time and became different. If you're walking with God, you notice things. I'm not trying to judge anybody, but you're like, they're not what they used to be. They don't, they don't even, and I can tell you it's because something happened. There was a neglect or a letdown at some place. And so that's why we've got to pray for the body that they don't lose that, you know, continuation and that faithfulness. They don't skip a beat, that they stay consistent and faithful. That's why we need to pray. That's why I can tell you, church, uh, it, this is a precious treasure to have a love for the Spirit and of the Spirit, which causes us, to, causes us to love in the Spirit or the Holy Spirit love through us and out of us. The, Holy, the, the Spirit of God begins to cause us to shed the love of, of God abroad. It's a labor. It's a fight on our knees to, pr to, to pray and, and, and to have prayer for the spiritual strength and victory of another. It's a fight. Oh, I'm going to tell you something, especially in this critical hour. It's an attack when you begin to pray. Listen to me. There, was, there have been times that I have prayed for people, even people sitting in this church. And I said, Lord, I want them to be either delivered. I want them to be set free. I want them to grow. I know that they're at a place where they're living. They're not living in the place of victory that you want them to live in and that they can live in. And so there's something that is causing this. And so I begin to pray that that thing would be bound. And I begin to pray in the spirit that that stronghold would be broken. And whoo. The spirit of fear begin to come. And, and you people that pray, you know what I'm talking about. There was somebody that I didn't even know. Somebody asked me to pray for, for this family and this, this woman that she just, she was doing weird and bizarre things and just crazy things. And I began to get down and pray and I was very, very focused and praying and seeking God. And I can tell you, that enemy came and was like, you want this fight? And I'm like, we're going to pray. This thing's going to break. Amen. We're going to break this thing. And begin to pray and begin to seek God. And I'm going to tell you something. Whenever you begin to get down to pray and really intercede for people, that's where the men are separate from the boys. That's where the rubber meets the road. This is not a lay me down to sleep. This is fervently praying. Because the enemy wants to destroy their life and you're praying for everything in God to make their life. And we have to 
Because I can tell you there are people that they're not where they could be today because there ain't a person praying for them. It's important that we pray. It's important that we cry out to God and we pray. And church, in this house, in this house, in this day, in this time, we must pray for the church. We must pray for new believers. We must. We must pray for marriages in the house. Because I can tell you, all-out attack will come against every marriage. Amen. That's why i got to pray, God, bind them together. Unite them. Whatever stands in the way, remove it. Let there be unity. Let there be a, a, a marriage that's full of blessing and joy. Lord, the blessedness of it. Let that be. We've got to pray for our youth. We've got to intercede for our youth. Because I can tell you all hell has set its bid on the young. The enemy wants to devour the young. We've got to pray for our young adults. Amen. Because they go through things too. Amen. They're coming into that adult life, you know, in their mid-20s. And the enemy will bring every thought to them. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have a career. You don't, you're never going to have a house. You're never going to have this. You're never going to be this. And we want God to just strengthen them and focus, uh, strengthen them in their walk with him spiritually and, and stay focused upon him and not lose sight. Amen. Stay walking with the Lord faithfully. We've got to pray. As a church, we're called to pray. You know, pray for your leaders. Pray that they not get burnt out. Because I can tell you, if you're doing one thing in this church, you're doing three. Amen. Come on now. Come on now. Amen. A lot of people are teaching or they're singing on the platform too. Or they may be ushering, but yet they're doing street ministry and they're playing in the, the worship team. People are doing a lot of things. And we got families and we've got jobs and we got all of these things. And the enemy wants to burn you out. But that's why we have to pray. We have to lift up one another. And church, I'm going to tell you, that's our call. It's a sin for us not to. Oh, pastor, you're making it legalistic. I'm going to tell you, Samuel said it would be a sin for me not to pray. When we're living in a time where there's a war down there in that valley, OAI has come. Moses is sitting there with them, standing with them, hands up in the air. And when his hands were in the air, they were winning the victory in the valley, but when those hands fell down, they began to lose. That is a perfect example. An Aaron and a Hur came on both sides and lifted up those hands, and they began to set him on the rock. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That's why we've got to be there to lift up one another's hands. Amen. Lift up each other. He said, you that are spiritual, if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, amen, restore such a one. Restore them in the spirit of meekness. Begin to lift them up in prayer. That's what we have to do. And church today, I know we shouted. We were excited. We had an awesome week in the Word and in revival and all of that. But we got to come back down to this place where we're living our Christian life, okay? We had our wonderful honeymoon week. And guess what? Now, it's living. Take what you've learned and live it. Amen. Every weekend is not going to be Chuck E. Cheese. You understand? Every weekend is not going to be uh, uh, this experience that is just, you know, outdoes the very last one. It's living for God every day. And I'm praying for the body of Christ. Amen. God's going to give us exciting times. That's a lot of what goes on in the church, why people get so, you know, I would don't want to use the word disenchanted, but just get so lost in the fact that, wow, it was just so awesome for, you know, two or three weeks, and now it just seems like, you know, it's just kind of just kind of slowed down. Amen. God wants you to walk by faith and not by sight or by feeling. We have to walk by faith. Amen. Because you're not always going to feel what you want to feel. Amen. But we've got to pray for people. Getting back to this, I'm going to close we got to pray. God's called us to pray for our families. we got to remember this. we got to pray for our country. 
Because it's a mess. It's a total mess. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now. There's just so much division. There's so many things going on. It's like, who do you believe anymore? Jesus. Amen. That's who you believe. I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat. I'm, I, I just, I'm like, Lord, it just seems like everything is just, it's just going haywire and chaotic. He said, that's why you got to keep your eyes on me. Don't lose sight of me. Because this world is not your home. Father, today I thank you for this privilege and honor to come and to preach on prayer and to glorify you. And Lord, I did what you told me to do. I did exactly what you told me to do. And Lord, I'm just asking today that as we come to this close that we'll take what you spoke to us and God will apply it to our lives this morning. We will apply it, Lord. And we'll, we'll, we'll begin to do obediently what you've called us to do and not stand before you. And, and you know, with, with our hands in the air saying, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, Lord. I don't know. There's so many people that need prayer, God, that need us to pray. And, Lord, we need to be so committed to that, Lord. And I pray today for a faith and a grace to be committed to prayer and for the body of Christ, Lord, because this is a body ministry. It's not one person's responsibility, but the body's responsibility this morning. And I pray that you will convict us, that you will give us grace and faith, and stir our hearts, Lord, to be diligent, to be prayer warriors, especially now, like never before. I thank you, Father, today. I thank you today. 